0: Lord, we thank you that your love is unconditional, it's not based on our performance, but Lord, our acceptance in you is based on Christ's perfect performance, and in Christ we stand, and we are loved, and we are accepted, and we receive all that you have for us, because it is always good, it is always good. Great. Um, We are going through our series on John, Jesus at the Centre. If you've got a Bible, do turn to John's Gospel. We've reached uh, Crumbs, we've reached Chapter 8. Chapter 8. But while you're turning to that, um, who here has seen the new Star Wars movie? Look at that, I thought there'd be a few more. I thought there'd be a few more. Who wants to see the Star Wars movie who hasn't yet? There we go, a few more hands. it, It really has smashed all the UK box office records, £108 million taken on the opening weekend. Globally, it's made $1.7 billion in the first month alone. It's looking like it will come second, if not overtake, the world's highest grossing film, Avatar, which is, I think, something like $2.7 billion or something ridiculous. It is epic. The world has gone Star Wars mad. And, of course, you can get all the paraphernalia and all the merchandise as well. Um, I had a look at some of the stuff you can buy. You can actually buy a Darth Vader toaster. It's, it's, a, it's his helmet. And you can choose whether your toast is on the dark side or the light side. Um, you, can, you can actually get a Millennium Falcon toilet seat. It's, it's, it's on everybody's... Christmas list for next year. You can get lightsaber chopsticks. what every home needs so you can uh, light up when you're eating your Thai or Chinese. I think one of the best ones is the Atat Zimmer frame. If you don't know what an Atat is, shame on you. Go and see the, uh, well, it was actually in the uh, first few films, but uh, that's certainly, if I ever get to the point of needing a Zimmer frame or a walker, I'm going to get an Atat walker. But it really has taken the world by storm. I finally went to see the movie with Claire a few weeks ago, and it just took me straight back to when I first saw the first one. I think it was about 1979. I was probably eight years old by then, um, mainly because it's basically the same story, really. It's, it's, it's exactly the same story, but it was just it brought back all those memories, just just this whole story of good versus evil. The light fighting the dark side. And it's captured people's imaginations. But really, when you think about it, most epic stories are always about good versus evil. The light versus the dark. The light representing everything that is good. Hope and courage and justice and freedom, heroism. And the dark representing everything that is evil, selfish desire, hatred, bigotry, abuse, bondage, deception. And whether you're watching The Matrix or Lord of the Rings, there's always this same story, eventually, of victory of the light over the darkness. And in the new Star Wars film... There's this one line. Could someone get me a glass of water or a cup of water? Is that all right? Thank you so much. Thank you, Tavika. There's this one line in the new movie. It's Poe, who's the uh, hotshot X-wing fighter. He says this, As long as there is light, there is hope. You can imagine him saying, As long as there is light, there is hope. But really, that's our theme today. As long as there is light, There is hope. As we journey into chapter eight, where, thank you, where Jesus mentions, bless you, thank you, his second I am phrase. He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but have the light of life. What was the first I am? Quick quiz we had. We've had it in chapter six. Anyone? bread of life. I am the bread of life. There's seven actually in John's gospel. Come on while we're on this. Who knows the other five? Quick test. I am the the way, the truth and the life. Yeah, that counts as one. That's one phrase. The gate. Well done. Mary's on a roll. I'm the good shepherd. Yeah. The vine. Chapter 15. One more. When he raises Lazarus from the dead. I am the resurrection. Sorry, was that already said? I'm the resurrection and the life. Brilliant. I am. So here in chapter 8, Jesus is standing up and saying, I am the light of the world. Please behave, microphone. Brilliant. Let's have a look at the context before we get into the passage. I think it just helps us when we read Scripture just to get an overview of what's going on around the time. If you remember last week, Pete led us through chapter 7, and he describes how Jesus was in Jerusalem for the Feast of the Tabernacles or Feast of the Booths. It was really a a week-long celebration of how God had led the Israelites through the wilderness into freedom, into the Promised Land. And what they would do, they would descend on Jerusalem in their thousands and set up temporary shelters... Booths, bivouacs, it must have been chaos in the city. Thousands of people setting up these shelters, representing the time that their ancestors were nomads wandering through, were refugees wandering through the desert. And if you remember, Pete said last week how Jesus, on the final and greatest day of the feast, stood up and said, if any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Jesus was saying that rock that Moses struck represented him. Jesus is the rock. The staff that struck the rock represented the cross that struck Jesus down when he hung on the cross. And the water that flowed from the rock was a symbol of his Holy Spirit that God would pour out on all flesh. It was a wonderful time last week as we drank again of God's Spirit. being a wonderful time this morning. As we've been encouraged to step into the light. Again, it's an invitation, isn't it? It's an invitation to drink. It's an invitation to step into the light. And so really this chapter, chapter 8 now, follows on pretty much from that encounter. It's the next day. We read that dawn has happened. The festival is probably winding down. People are probably clearing up. We've got the encounter with the woman caught in adultery, which we'll comment on in a few moments. But now we read that Jesus is back in the temple, back in Herod's temple, specifically in the court of women, where we are told the offerings are given. And in this court, there would have been these enormous, huge, 75-foot-tall candelabras. Think about it. John, how tall is this building? About 25 25 foot, 30 foot, if that. 75 foot tall candelabras with huge gold bowls full of oil. Apparently they used to use for the wicks old priest's tunics. They would, their robes would be the wicks for these things. And they would be lit on the first day of this feast of the tabernacles, and it would have been epic. The light would have spread far and wide. I mean, don't forget, these these were cities without streetlights. They were used to being enveloped in darkness pretty much when the night fell, but not during this festival. It would have been a blaze of light. And now the festival was winding down. Those candelabras would have been extinguished Now picture Jesus standing right underneath these candelabras saying, I am the light of the world. Let's read from verses uh, 12 to 20 in chapter 8. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but have the light of life. The Pharisees challenged him. Here you are appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. Jesus answered, Even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid. For I know where I came from and where I am going, but you have no idea where I come from or where I am going. You judge by human standards. I pass judgment on no one. But if I do judge, my decisions are true. Because I am not alone. I stand with the father who sent me. In your own law, it is written that a testimony of two witnesses is true. I am one who testifies for myself. The other witness is my father who sent me. Then they asked, where is your father? He said, you do not know me nor my father. Jesus replied, if you knew me, you would know my father also. He spoke these words while teaching in the temple courts near the place where the offerings were put. That's the court of the women. Yet no one seized him because his hour had not yet come. There's that phrase again, his hour had not yet come. We mentioned in a previous chapter that that hour, of course, was the hour of his arrest, trial, trial. And ultimately, his crucifixion on the cross. Just a reminder again how God is totally in control of the times and seasons. He is sovereign. Jesus' hour had not come, they couldn't seize him. God's in control. It's a pretty powerful passage. Pretty powerful. John's moved us on quite a way in his gospel account. You know, from those early chapters, in chapters two to four. There's the, there's the theme of Jesus kind of making all things new. It was a very softly, softly approach. Jesus talking about new wine, hinting at this new covenant of his shed blood. He talks about a new temple. A temple that's actually going to be built of living stones. He talks about new birth to Nicodemus. He talks about new life. Making all things new and it intrigues people. They're they're amazed by his miracles. They're they're intrigued by his teaching. But now things have stepped up a bit. In chapter 5 we see the first real serious. I suppose scuffle if you like. When people think we need to get rid of this guy. Because he becomes clearer and clearer about who he is. And at the end of this chapter. They're wanting to stone him. Because. Jesus, in no uncertain terms, is explaining exactly who he is, that he is God's son sent from heaven to save the world from sin. And this light of the world isn't just, I'm shedding light on the way, he's saying, no, no, I am the way. He's not a good teacher pointing a gateway to the father, he's saying, I am the gateway to the father. These are radical claims. You know, He's claiming his light brings salvation. They would have been in no doubt when he stood up and said, I am the light of the world, what he was saying. They would have immediately thought they were good Jews. They were Pharisees, for goodness sake. They knew the scriptures. They would have known Psalm 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation. The Lord is my light. They would have known Jesus was saying, I I am the light. I am the Lord. Isaiah 9. Starts with the people walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. And then it goes into our favorite Christmas passage for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. Jesus saying, I am the light. Isaiah 49 I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that my salvation. Might reach to the ends of the earth, light and salvation go hand in hand. Jesus is saying, I am the light, not for the Jews only, but also for the Gentiles. I'm a light of the earth. I'm the light of the world, the whole world. Isaiah 69, nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. They would have known all these scriptures. They were fully aware of who Jesus was claiming to be. And they didn't like it one bit. They didn't want to know. It challenged them to the core. I am the light of the world. You know, light does many things. It is totally required for life, like water is, as Pete was saying last week. You know, what's the first thing God did when he created the world? What's the first thing he said? Let there be light. First thing that had to happen Let there be light, and light came into the world. Without light, nothing can really live. I remember as a child, my birthdays at the end of September, it always used to rain guaranteed on my birthday. So all my birthday parties had to be weatherproof. And we lived in Bath and Wookiee Hole Caves was not far away. And so I think I probably went there about nine times, I think. Every birthday party will go down to Wookiee Hole Caves because the temperature is always constant and it doesn't matter if it rains. So I used to get to know Wookiee Hole Caves quite well. And there was one thing that used to fascinate me. In the deepest, darkest point of the caves that you could physically get to without being a diver... Because they go on for miles and miles. They're amazing things. In the darkest point of that cave, where there is no natural daylight at all, no light can get in, there is a green plant growing on the wall. Why? Because it's getting water dripping through the rock face, but also there's a little spotlight that shines up onto the roof so you can see how the cavern was made by an underground river. And because there was this little spotlight, this plant could grow. There was life. Where there's light, There is life. Light also brings comfort and security. If anyone's looked after a young child, will know what an amazing effect a little nightlight can have. Suddenly, everything's okay. I've got some light. I feel I've got some courage. I can sleep now. Because in the dark, fear can so easily take a hold. When you can't see the way forward, Anxiety and fear can so easily take a hold. When the light comes, security comes, courage comes, perspective changes. Light also gives direction. Um, I'm a bit of a night owl and uh, I have a confession to make. Sometimes I do go to bed later than my wife, um, which uh, I shouldn't do. I know, and I'm trying to get better, but... It does mean I have to navigate around our bedroom in the dark. And the number of times I have trodden on a mains plug with bare feet, possibly the most painful thing you can do with bare feet, apart from maybe treading on a Lego piece, that's also equally painful. But, or, or whacked my thigh, I've got a permanent bruise there, whacked my thigh on the end of the bed as I've tried to navigate the bedroom in the dark. What a difference a light can make in navigating. And being able to see the way. You know, don't forget that these big candelabras that Jesus was standing under, they were there to represent the pillar of fire that led the Israelites through the desert. That's why they lit them on the Feast of Tabernacles. They were representing this great pillar of fire that the Israelites followed. There was no point being miles off that you wouldn't have had the effect. You had to follow the light. And Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. You've got to follow the light. It gives direction. It stops you from stumbling. Jesus says, follow my light. I will lead you out of darkness. I will lead you out of confusion. Confusion. I will lead you out of your sin. I will lead you to victory. It gives direction. But light also reveals what is hidden. And when it comes to talking about people's lives, that's where it can get a little bit uncomfortable. Because it reveals things that sometimes we don't want to be revealed. We've all got hidden areas of our life. And God's desire for each one of us is to have every area of our life exposed to His light. But we can get very fearful about that because of shame, or maybe actually because we quite like this bit of hidden part of our life. We don't want it exposed. We don't want it dealt with. And yet Jesus, this light of the world, he stepped into darkness not to judge the world and condemn the world, but to save the world. John says that in John 3.17, just after John 3.16. God so loved the world. As he says in verse 15 of our passage, you know, I pass judgment on no one. We can trust the goodness of Jesus. And I don't think it's any accident that this encounter happens right after Jesus is confronted with the woman caught in adultery. Her sin is brought right out into the light. She has no choice in that matter. She's caught in the act. She doesn't try to justify herself. The Mosaic law says stone her interestingly actually the mosaic law says stone both parties interesting that the guy was nowhere to be seen just smacks that the pharisees weren't really interested in justice they were more interested in trapping jesus and giving him a difficult question so this poor woman was just left there they just want to see if jesus would condemn because that's what the law says and Jesus says, if you know the passage, it's beautiful. Let any one of you who is without sin cast the first stone. You know, go on then. First one without sin, chuck the stone. And one by one, they disappear. And Jesus says, has no one condemned you? She says, no. He says, well, neither do I. Go and leave your life of sin. When we read that in the context of what Jesus is talking about being the light of the world, it just tells us that when God shines his light, it is not to condemn us. It is to set us free. It is to set us free. There's a huge difference between conviction and condemnation. Huge difference. You know, that that woman knew she was guilty. And yet Jesus did not condemn her. As her sin was brought out into the light, so he forgave her. Go and sin no more. Go and live the life you were meant to live. He wants her to be free and he wants us to be free this morning. He wants us to be free, to step into the light. We don't have to fear. You know, sin loses its power when it's brought into the light. Did you know that? It's interesting that the, the word occult is, actually comes from the Latin that means hidden or secret. And, and it, the city of Ephesus was rife with witchcraft and occult. And this is what Paul says to the church in Ephesus in 5.11. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, whatever they are, but rather expose them. He goes on in verse 13. Everything exposed by the light becomes visible and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. We need to allow God's light to flood Even the secret places. Even the hidden places. We don't have to fear. You know there's two routes we can go for when conviction comes. We get convicted. We can either hide it because of shame or as I said because we quite like this bit of our lives. That leads to condemnation. Or we can allow God's light to shine into our lives. We can confess it, bring it out into the open and forgiveness comes and freedom comes two different paths and yet so often pride i know this in my own life i mean even to going through this this week god was highlighting areas in my life that he just wanted to shine his light into and just say you need that you need to confess that you need to deal with that but pride fear shame can all hinder us allowing god's light to shine into our hearts John 3, 19 to 20 talks about the fact that people love the darkness rather than the light. For their deeds are evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. And this really is a great description of the Pharisees right here. You know, they were blind to the lights. They, they They couldn't see what was in front of them because they didn't want to. They didn't want to. They were fearful. But we do not need to fear because God wants to bring us into freedom, into life. And it gets I'm not going to go through the rest of this chapter because we don't really have time. But do read the rest of this chapter because it is pretty epic. This conversation with Jesus and the Pharisees. They say, look, your testimony is not valid. It's our word against yours. Who are you? We're the scholarly ones. We're the ones who know God. He says, you don't know God. If you knew God, you would know me. It gets pretty bad. He calls their father the devil they call him demon possessed and a Samaritan. You know, the worst things they could throw at him. It is not pretty. And yet with all that, Jesus is making some bold claims. He says, I know my father personally and he knows me. I'm sent by him. I speak for him. I'm actually the subject of my father's glory. He, he declares he is sinless in verse 46. And then he gets to verse 58 at the very end. And he says, before Abraham was, I am. I mean, what a statement. If anyone is confused about the divinity of Jesus just read chapter 8 verse 58 of John before Abraham was I am Jesus was and is the son of God using the very name God used when speaking with Moses I am sent you and yet despite this pretty dicey moment Jesus' heart is is for them to believe. If only you would open your eyes, you will not perish. It's not his heart, God's heart for any to perish. Believe that I am from the Father. Open your eyes, receive the light. But the crowd was totally divided, as Jesus often used to do when he spoke. But praise God, in verse 30, we read that many did believe in him many did believe in him and to those people and to us today who believe that Jesus is the light of the world he tells us how to continue to walk in his light and in verse 31 he says this if you hold to my teaching you are really my disciples then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. We, we allow God's light into our lives and we, can, uh, we continue to walk in God's light by knowing and following his teaching. It's his word again, isn't it? I think we mention this every Sunday. It's because it's truth. If you want to know the direction for your life, if you want to allow God's light into your heart... Know and read and obey, follow this. You know, as I said, there's no point acknowledging, yes, there's the light and not following it because you won't be getting any benefit from the light. You need to follow the light for it to have any impact. Otherwise, you're just going to stay in darkness. We need to follow God's word. Proverbs 2 talks about storing up God's word to keep you from making wrong turns and bad decisions. I don't want to make any wrong turns or bad decisions. So we need to store up God's word. Psalm 119 famously says, Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light to my path. It helps us to stop treading on spiritual mains plugs in the night. Stops us from stumbling. It's how faith is built. It's how our minds are renewed. How we learn to discern between truth and lies. You know, Do you want to get closer to the light? Think, really, really get into this. If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Secondly, he says in verse 34 that we allow God's light to shine into our hearts by really knowing and believing our identity as children of God. He says this in verse 34, very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son or daughter belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, guess what? You will be free indeed. When you receive Jesus as your saviour, you're adopted into his family. You are no longer at the mercy of sin's beck and call. And yet so often we act like we still are. And that's why we need to understand who we really are. We're no longer slaves to sin. We're children of God. We need to cooperate with the Holy Spirit who, who does bring conviction, not to condemn us, as I said, to bring this into the light for us to to receive God's forgiveness, to allow his light to, to shine into the dark places, to be changed from the inside as sons and daughters of God. Two key ways, knowing his word, knowing our identity is how we continue to allow God's light to shine into our hearts. The thing is, as we allow God's light to shine into our hearts. As we embrace this light, we too become lights. As we allow him to deal with our hidden places, secret places, that same light starts to shine out of us. Matthew 5, 14, Jesus says, you are the light of the world. How mad is that? Bold enough claim, Jesus saying, I am the light of the world. Now in Matthew five fourteen, Jesus says, you are the light of the world. This light isn't just for you. As Pete was saying again last week, when we receive, when we drink of this living water, when we receive the Holy Spirit, it's not just for us. It's to be witnesses to the world around us. At the same time, God's light shining into our hearts isn't just for us. But it's so we can then shine that light into the darkness around us. And man, is this world dark. It is dark, isn't it? I read a a report today. No, when was it? Yesterday. Yesterday morning. From Open Doors, a charity that uh, supports the persecuted church. It says this, there has never been a worse time to be a Christian. How's that for an advert? (laughs) Goes on, global persecution of Christians is more extreme than in any other point of history. It's incredible, isn't it? And yet, of course, it's not just Christians who are suffering. You just look around. The whole world is groaning. It's, it's crying out. It's so dark. It's so broken. The darkness can seem overwhelming at times, can't it? Think, what, what difference can my little light have? And the truth is, as, as it gets darker, so our light becomes more of a contrast. I really believe that's what's happening in, particularly, I think, in the West. As the world becomes darker around us, I believe, well, this is what God's calling us to be, is to shine brighter. It's to shine. We're going to stand out a lot more as the world around us gets darker. But guess what? The darkness never overcomes the light. Do you believe that? John in his very first chapter says, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Light always overcomes. Going back to that feast of the tabernacles, historians commented that on the night that those candelabras were lit, the courtyard of the temple was so bright that it lit up every single courtyard in Jerusalem. Not just its own courtyard. It says the light was so intense, it spilled out into the night and illuminated every single courtyard in the city. That is amazing, isn't it? And you know what? That is our commission too. Our commission is to make sure that God's light shining in us is so intense that it spills out into every courtyard in our communities and our neighbourhoods. It's amazing. Thinking about this, it's like the moon. The moon in Genesis says it's the light to govern the night. Actually, the moon doesn't have any light of its own, it just reflects the sun's light into the darkness. And and we too reflect the sun's radiance, S O N's radiance, into the darkness. You know, praise God Though one day the dawn will come and the full radiance of God will be demonstrated as Jesus returns to make all things new. Revelation 22, I love this. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of the lamp or even the light of the sun for God will give them light. What a thing to look forward to. But until then... Philippians 2.25 encourages us. This is how we make sure our light is intense. To live clean, innocent lives as children of God. There's our identity again. Shining like bright lights or bright stars, some translations say. In this broken generation. Star Wars was right. Where there is light... There is hope, but praise God, our source of light isn't some impersonal force that has a dark side and a light side, but it's the person of Jesus Christ. That's our source of light. That is the only true source of light, and there is no darkness in him, and we get to shine his love and his grace and his hope to the broken world around us. Maybe in life groups this week you can have a think about the creative ways you can shine your light out into your communities around us. You know, Be creative about it. Where can you shine your light in your workplace? How can you be a light at the checkout, school gates, in the home, in your relationships? How creatively can you let your light shine? You know, really, we've had so many words that this place is going to be like a lighthouse in the community. But if it's going to be a lighthouse, it's, it's an invitation for each one of us to step into the light. To live clean and upright lives, to allow God's intense light to then spill out into the community around us. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 14 to 16, you are. Are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people put a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Jesus is the light of the world. And if you believe that, then you are too. Then you are too. Amen? Amen. Let's have the band back. What I'd love for us to do is just respond to the words that, again, that have been coming this morning. Particularly that one about stepping into the light. Can we all just stand if you're able to? I just want to give us a a chance to respond. As I said, God's been dealing with stuff in my life. There's more stuff. God's very gracious. He's very gentle. He's incredibly loving. I just want us to give an opportunity to just ask for God to shine his light into our hearts. Father, we thank you for sending your son to be a light in the darkness. We acknowledge Jesus, you, as the light of the world. And right now, we just ask for your light to shine into our hearts. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would bring conviction where conviction is needed. Shine your light into those hidden spaces, Lord, where there's unforgiveness, Lord. Help us to give us the strength to forgive. Lord, where there's hidden sins, Lord, help us to bring them into the light to receive your forgiveness. We want to be lights that shine brightly in our community. And we just ask, Holy Spirit, come now. Just fill us afresh. Shine your light into our hearts. Lord, where there is desperation and hopelessness, shine your light of hope. Into people's hearts right now. Lord where people have been struggling with different situations. Shine your light of hope now. We pray for those who are struggling with depression. Shine your light into their hearts now. Bring your life again. You are the light of life. Father, for those who are confused, who are needing direction, shine your light of guidance. Let them look up and see that pillar of flaming fire, that you are still with them, you are still guiding them. We are totally dependent on you, as the Israelites were, as you led them through the wilderness. We're looking to you, Lord light of the world to guide us through this dark world and father i just pray over us as a church that we will be such blazing stars shining out into the darkness that it will draw people to your light that as we reflect your goodness and your grace and your love so it will draw so many people into the light we pray this for your glory in jesus name Amen.